0: Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 61 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 23rd, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the drops been for you this week?
1: Few and far between again, but I've had a lot of fun.
0: Well, that's all that matters, right?
1: Yeah, it's to
0: me. To, well, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we're also joined tonight by our resident weapons expert Unisys Twelve. Uni, what's been going on?
2: Not a whole lot. A lot of cooking. Haven't I? Haven't actually got to play a whole lot this week, so I'm a little upset by that. But
1: I so, think it's so it'd be a recurring thing.
2: Yeah. So you're yeah. not very
0: thankful for that
2: no no i would i would much rather be killing
0: well as you probably know this week many guardians here in the state are celebrating thanksgiving so we wanted to also take this opportunity to thank everyone who tunes in to listen to our ramblings jumps into the discord chat with ideas and theories and just in general puts up with our shenanigans on all the sites that we're involved with your guys support means the world to us and seriously we cannot thank you enough for that. Um and I know Justin, did you you had something you wanted to add in there as well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would just like to say um kind of same type of vein as what Blue said, but I'm really thankful for everyone who listens uh both live chat and the podcast crowd. Everyone who uh Knows me on any level and thinks that I'm a worthwhile person. I think you're special. Um, and uh, I'm really super thankful for my awesome son and my awesome family.
0: Perfect. And how about you, Uni? Man, that's a long list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get, well,
2: I, I, you know, I'm thankful for my family. You know, they're awesome. I help make them. Um, but I'm really thankful for my wife. I mean, not only did she buy me this, you know, blue Yeti that I'm getting to talk into, but she, um, she, she helps. She pushes me. She, she wants me to do the things that I like to do. So, you know, when I come home from work, I actually get to go back to my room and play my games and work on my projects and stuff like that and she, you know, she doesn't hold that over my head. So that's just completely freaking awesome that she allows me that time, you know, to myself to do those kind of things and um uh, so yeah, she's awesome.
0: That's very I I have to I'll have to echo you on that. That one as uh many of you in the in the chat and, you know, anyone who's spent time with us in any of our game streams or any any of our other live streams after shows, you know, that is something that I I am blessed with as well. Uh Kashin is my, my best friend, and I couldn't have done anything or any of this, actually, without her encouragement and her support. So, yeah, definitely, definitely am agreeing with you on that one. Well...
1: She was my best friend.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Calm down there, mind meld. Uh, So the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the information that we have about the weapon foundries who supply the city and the guardian ranks with the means for war. Um, Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the Crucible Master himself, Lord Shaxx. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well. As many of you already know, Focusfire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10pm Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. A reminder there, there is going to be a slight shift in our schedule starting next week due to some schedule conflicts and a desire to actually be functional at our day jobs during the week. We're going to be moving the live stream of the podcast to Friday nights. We'll still start up around 10 p.m. Central, but hopefully this is going to give us all some more some, some more flexibility, just not for ourselves, but also for any guests that might be in different time zones as well. This means that instead of the audio hitting podbean on Thursday morning, it will be available early Saturday morning central time. Please let us know any thoughts or concerns on that change either through Discord or an email to FocusfireChat at gmail.com. Please also be sure to give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at the guardians of Destiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian 1 and Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny Audio Grimoire. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the new lore that we got in the recent updates about that rascally warmind, Rasputin. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the exploration of the lore that we have about the Weapons Foundry. And Justin, I'm going to give you the reins for the first grimoire. Well, I think actually one of the only grimoire cards that we really have in regards to weapon foundries
1: yeah we're gonna talk about my my good old friend banshee right
0: i think that's i think well and you know as as far as the guardians are concerned he's kind of a gateway figure for us and the and yeah. the foundries i mean we kind of so yeah i think that's a good place to start
1: he is the bottleneck through which all the foundries get their stuff into the tower i believe um, Banshee-44 is his name. He's the gunsmith. Um, few merchants in the tower serve as vital a function as Banshee-44. His knowledge of weapons is encyclopedic, but don't ask him where it comes from. Banshee's mind and body have absorbed incredible punishment over the ages. He grapples with fragments of memory. The shrapnel of ancient ordeals that return to haunt him.
0: And he's, you know, a little crazy, and
1: generally a little screw bit. And we all kind of believe that he's the exo. you know, the Banshee face laser card that we like to <laughs> talk about. It's like ghost hit me again. Bzz, uh, I saw a bunch of stuff. Do it again. Like we, we all, uh, I don't want to say
0: we all, but yeah, I was about to say, let's, let's that. not, let's not group everyone in this conversation. <laughs> Because I yeah, he I, just
2: doesn't he he doesn't seem that type of exo. Well, to there's me.
0: there's that, and I also do want to make a point. We don't know if he's a guardian. Yeah, I, I mean to yeah. to point out here, it nowhere does it say that he is a guardian. He says that he's a merchant, and none of the other merchants are guardians. Uh, really, I mean, you have Amanda. You have E uh, Levante, and then um, what's the lady who controls the microtransactions? Tess. Tess. Everest. Yeah, I mean none, none of them are guardians. So it's it would stand a reason that Banshee is not a guardian. And then I don't. And I'm trying to remember. I don't think there's a ghost around him. Correct. Yeah, he doesn't have no, a ghost.
1: No ghost. No ghost. He would have probably made it into a handgun.
0: Yeah, you. no, that's 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 entirely true. He would have equipped it with a Spartan. I mean, a uh, sleeper Spartan. <laughs> Spartan <laser. laughs> I might I might have been playing a lot of Halo recently. Okay, SWAT is SWAT is life. Um, but like, I mean, you know, yes, I totally see him equipping lasers into a ghost and being like, "Look what I made!" But. um and the, and so, yeah. And the reason that a lot of people attribute him being a little scatterbrained um, is, first off, he has really interesting idol dialogue, like really interesting. Um, there's a few that point to a possible connection um, to the stranger uh, via, and then we also know that he actually was at Twilight Gap. Uh, he served. He served in the military. Uh, in the early city days this is all through idle dialogue and then like through different items or well not items sorry i'm i'm so used to lorebot that i call everything who's not a, that's not a card an item through different bounties <laughs> sorry it's like, i'm i'm dead sorry I'm about dead that serious. no no it, i mean it just my head it's like <laughs> it's items and if you look at the url it's stored as items um if you don't if you guys don't know what we're talking about jump in the discord chat because uni did amazing with lore bot um but there's there's no, a, no baxter ba- baxter and, well, and his team did an amazing job look at this guy look at this guy <laughs> passing passing the credit on um yes i'm not going to disagree ishtar collective is an amazing <laughs> site but yes our connection in the chat is due to uni um but there's there's a number of uh different bounties excuse excuse me there's a number of different bounties um, that actually kind of talk to talk about Banshee in particular in uh, Banshee. Like I was saying, you know, like we were saying earlier, Banshee's kind of the primary linchpin access point. I don't know really what you want to call him, but he's really kind of our, our filtering point through which we interact with, particularly the foundries um, and that being the weapon foundries. Um, We know, we know of eight of them and we're going to, we're going to run through them, you know, kind of briefly throughout the show. And we'll, we'll definitely break out different weapons. Uh, Each one of them mostly has at least one or yeah, at least one exotic. So we'll, we'll talk about those as well. Those, those are just real quick. The known weapon foundries are cassoid crux and Lomar dido Hake, Nadir, Omelon, Suros, and Tex Mechanica. So like I said, we're we're definitely gonna get into those. Um and we and you know, as as is usual in Destiny, there are there are particular ones that we know more about than others. Namely, I blame Nadir for not knowing anything. Um <clears throat> but I, before I get deterred on to that point. There's one in particular there's one there's one quest in particular that I did want to I wanted to bring up real fast talking about just Banshee. And that is the Talk to Banshee quest and it's actually a quote from Cade. Uh and he and Cade says, "Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a golden age firearm out there that solves every problem you point at it. But as far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing as a perfect gun. No one knows it better than Banshee. It haunts him every living moment." So Banshee is not only a merchant, Banshee's also a gunsmith. And so that's that's another thing that I think I don't know if a lot of people quite understand about Banshee, is that not only is he selling you things, he's actually making you guns. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of exotics that we're going to talk about that he actually is the one who made them. Um, and there's a couple of fire teams that actually... That actually um he's he's actually made specific weapons for so uh with that being said, I know uni I think you wanted to talk about a couple of the other speak to banshees did you did you want to talk about those or did you want to- uh weave those into when we talk about the different foundries?
2: We could probably work those in um with the different foundries, um, you know, especially cause there's one that speaks directly to, to text, text Mechanica. Um, yeah. So we could, we could probably save that one for whenever we're talking about, um, Text mechanic. Well, there's actually two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah two that speak directly to Text Mechanica.
0: Yeah, there's well, there's one that speaks specifically of Text Mechanica, and then there's one that kind of connects to Text Mechanica through the first curse.
2: Yeah. Um. Which one do we want to do first? Uh, let's,
0: you wanna knock out. Let's see. Hang on. So there is just, let me let me look here. We actually have a a link, and I'm gonna I'm gonna link this in show notes. So if you guys get a chance, and if you're interested in reading, you know the full the full article. Um, there was a this week at well, it wasn't this week at Bungie. It was the weekly Bungie update. Bungie. what was it? It wasn't. It, was a it wasn't bunch a, weeks ago at Bungie. Yeah, well, yeah, thank was, thank it you. Was thank. When, it
1: was back when it was it was the weekly update.
0: It wasn't a, the weekly update or whatever or Bungie yeah. weekly update. Um this was way, way before they renamed it. And this was it was back in July of 2015, and they actually talked um they actually talked about a couple of the foundries. Uh and the first one that they talked well, let's see, alphabetically, the first one they talked about was hockey. Uh do we want to go through the week that article and then come back to the ones that they didn't talk about? Or do you want to just knock them out alphabetically? Yeah, we
2: we, we can. It, you know, it would, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we,
0: we we can just do that. Okay. Sounds like a plan. So what the uh, the foundries that were in this article, again, I will link this over on our Podbean site. Uh, the link will be there. The foundries that are in there are Hake, Amelon, Soros, and I think that's actually it was it just 3? Yeah. Am I am I remembering yeah. that right? Okay, so it was just 3. Yeah. Um they also if you guys haven't seen it, uh just mentioning this, uh with Suros in particular, this was uh also discussed pretty actually in a pretty cool detail on the Artist of Destiny live stream. I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. Uh if you guys have not seen that, we've mentioned this this live stream a couple times in the past it's an amazing live stream. And I have, I have the YouTube link that I'll throw into the show notes. So everyone can, everyone can get a chance to watch it. There are some really cool little trivia facts, especially about Soros, actually. And about Eris, I think was the other one that they kind of went into detail on. But, um, with, with that being said, let's look at, let me, let me do, let me present the historic notes from Zavala and then, uh, Uni, I'll let you take off on Hake if you want. Sound good? Okay. 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 So this is actually a quote from, like I said, the the Bungie Weekly Update. And it's a it's a historic note from Commander Zavala. And he says The weapons used by our guardians come from the salvaged remains of our golden age and new discoveries in advanced energy systems. After the collapse, gunsmiths, who were the best at repurposing and repairing these artifacts, quickly became crucial to any group's survival. But with large arsenal comes power, and threats to our common goals force the city to monitor the size of its weapons' foundries. The foundries that survive today are the best of the best. Some are built on centuries-old traditions and tribal knowledge. Others grew with new discoveries and rediscoveries, and each one has proven vital to our survival. And that's the end of the quote. Uh, a couple points that I want to pull out of that, that before I hand it off to Uni, for uh, specific on hockey is the fact that they actually put a ceiling on the growth of foundries. And that's important to remember. They, they actually, and that's kind of, in, in my theory, that's also kind of the point of the consensus. And not only is it putting a, a cap on the, the balance of political power of factions, it's also putting a political uh, limit on everything else. Merchants, any, anything else, they kind of, they control everything that goes on in the city. Uh, and that, and that's something that really kind of puts a lot of emphasis on the power that is held within the consensus. Um, and it also kind of points to why factions fight so hard to be part of the consensus, to be part of the, those three major factions, um, that's why, you know, it was such a big deal when the Concordat was kicked out and kind of eradicated. And that's why they fought so hard to not get kicked out is because this is the this is starting to show you a glimpse into the amount of power that these these individuals really, really hold within the city. Um, and that and, and I think that's that's something that a lot of people don't really I wouldn't say that they don't pay attention to, but it's something that's kind of lost and put on the wayside because most people, when they play Destiny, you know, as much, as most video games, they, they're, they're focused on what's the most powerful weapon in the quote-unquote med- meta of this week or this mm-hmm. month or whatever. They don't really pay attention to the intricate storylines behind it, especially the intricate storylines of not just that weapon, but the weapon's founder, the foundry that created the weapon. And that's something that's really interesting um and so with that i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give control to uni and we're gonna dive into hockey
2: real quick one of the things that 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 little bit that you just read through one, one of the really interesting things is um, essentially what you're what you're talking about is the um economy right right the, what we do in game when we go to um our faction of choice and give them spin metal mm-hmm. or we we um you know we give them heavy ammo synthesis or whatever that's what gives them that leg up on everyone else is is that they they are of a spoke in the wheel of that economy and whichever faction can have the most materials, their gunsmiths and their quote unquote foundries that tie to them have more materials to do more things. Yep. And well, and, and it also, and it also states in this as, as well as that after the collapse, essentially for all intents and purposes, Invention stopped.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um weapons did not progress. Um af- after the collapse, though f- for what you know was is probably hundreds of years after the collapse. Weapons just they were repurposed, they were repaired, and that was it. No no new designs came out for a long, long, long time. So it it really kind of gives a whole you know new. It really puts a definition, I think, on the Dark Ages, if you will, because that must have been a rough, rough time. And it mm-hmm. also can explain why the Iron Banner weapons look the way they do.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do, I do want to make one little quick point, actually, in regards to what you are saying <clears throat> with the factions. That's why a lot of people, when they before before we had custom matches, and actually one of the things that I I saw a lot of on Reddit was the idea of having faction wars and like, instead of like having the iron banner, you know, the queen's wrath or anything like that, there was, there was a large group of people on Reddit who were making the point of, you know, what would be cool would be having an having a week long activity in which, you know, say, so I, I'm a dead orbit follower and I know Justin Mm -hmm. is part of the rainbow death squad. Um, yes. and, so like having having a week long thing where if you jump in game anything you do anything you do builds your faction's rep, right? So like you do bounty patrols, you do uh you know crucible matches, you do stri- any anything that you do helps build your faction faction control or not control mm-hmm. uh faction rep rep within this, you know, week. And at the end of the week, um uh, the winning faction quote, the winning faction, the faction with the highest rep, the tower gets decked in their colors for like the rest of the month or until the next faction event or until the next, you know, event. Um, and I thought that was always a really cool idea because that was, that kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just describing. And it's, and the other important part with what you were just saying is that it's not just factions. It's everything. Everything Mm -hmm. is political game within, Mm -hmm non-guardian ranks. It's a human nature to do that. Um and before I get sucked into just going on for that for 2 hours, I'm gonna yeah. gonna let you cuz I can. I mean, oh man, yeah. that would be a No, nope, I know. amazing conversation, <laughs> but let's let's go let's go to hockey.
2: All right. Hockey. Functional, reliable, unapologetic. I I feel bad because I really want to pronounce this lead artist's name that gives the design pillars for the hockey weapons, I but I'm just not going to do that to him.
1: I'm really good at go- that.
2: Do it, Justin. Oh, I can
1: really do it. Okay. Raj Natam. There you go. Really good at pronouncing stuff.
2: Okay. I'm not. I'm from the South. We don't enunciate. <laughs>
1: Where am I from?
2: <laughs> You're from Texas. He's That's got a whole you there. other country. He's dude. got you. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: so, All I right. actually found some cool stuff on hockey pr- really quick before you get like uh, into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, okay. So, hockey is actually Dutch. Um, mm-hmm. It's mistaken for German quite a bit, but um, it's most likely from the Dutch. It's the singular. Pres- present subjective of Hawken and a uh, Hawken is a pick a pickaxe or a hoe so it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense almost that the the hockey weapons are are almost like these multi-function tools and I know we have absolutely no data to support this but the Mida multi tool seems to me just not so much as look but like it's its functionality seems to me to fit the hoke mold because it it just seems to do so many different jobs
0: i can see that yeah logic. The, yeah it, mm. aesthetics me, me wise aesthetic you don't wise have to commit okay okay <laughs> we don't have to commit okay
1: you don't have to commit i'm just saying functionality wise it 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 fits in that same Designing ethos there If if you were a hockey designer You would almost have to look at the Mida multi-tool and say
2: That is a good Weapon <laughs> <laughs> That is good Well Mida, Mida I lump into the same pile As uh, Monte Carlo Because You can There's no Telling what foundry or think tank is responsible for really either of those weapons at this point? And it it drives people like me and Rhino completely mad. So it's yeah, it's. <laughs> <sighs> If Rhino, if, Rhino, if Rhino was here, he and I both would have just dropped instantly to the floor and started dri- flopping like fish. <laughs> just, oh, God, no,
1: he did not. He did not just <laughs> he say brought mine. it up.
2: God, yeah, it. it's 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 a it's it's a conversation piece. Uh, so, the design pillars of hockey are hammers, not scalpels. Relatable design. Harking back to a lost era, hockey is not about exciting form; it's about exciting function. A weapon's weapon, hockey is an in, is the instrument of the people. Now, a technical analysis by sandbox designer John Wisniewski and the sole person responsible for my. Frickin' passion for all the weapons in these in, in in this game um building reliable tools built for soldiers in the field, hockey values simplicity over intricacy, function over flare hockey weapons all start with a more tightly focused band of base stats that don't spike as high or low as other weapon families, granting a solid foundation for growing the weapon. On a hockey talent grid, you'll see a simplified set of scopes that work best for the weapon. Front-loaded perks, front-loaded perk nodes with the stat upgrade options occupying the final column. Hockey perk selection is focused on offensive actions and combat tactics. Hockey Pulse Rifles... Excuse me. hockey pulse rifles fire a burst of four rounds with damage adjusted to match the DPS of a three-round burst, meaning the pulse rounds do less individually, but are equal as a group. Fire time between bursts is slightly faster, and there are very there. Th- one of the, one, this is a conversation piece that comes up quite a lot in chat and you can look at a hockey weapon I don't care if it's a sniper rifle auto rifle or a pulse rifle you can look at a hockey weapon in game and then do a google search for auto rifle you will find a weapon real life weapon that looks exactly like this
1: Yeah, that's because they're so freaking generic looking.
0: <laughs> I th- yeah, they're they're really blocky is what I would call them. They're yeah. blocky looking. Which is why I don't Which like again, them. which is a, which again
1: function over form.
0: Yeah, which exactly. is why I don't like them. It should be form never mind. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I can tell you're a Suros man. It's okay. No,
0: no, I'm a MIT I'm a Mita user it's okay i'm i'm we're, let's let's not break uni on this episode yeah yes He's made let's not <laughs>
1: so, um what was our next our next foundry the next well uh,
0: do did, did we real quick the
1: cool weapons from hockey
0: <clears throat> uh, yeah, actually there was one that a couple Titans probably recognize and that's the, uh, the Fabian strategy is the Nobody exotic of
2: choice there, which has so many connections. It's unreal or parallels. Oh, yeah. Parallels.
0: There are, there are, I, I think every time this, this gun gets brought up, I have to like struggle with myself to not go off on a tangent about, Roman military politics. Yeah, exactly. But we're not here to talk about oh, right, that right. No, I know. Hints, hence, the, hence the struggle. But uh, uh, yep.
1: Well, you can't <laughs> talk about one and not talk about the other, though. Come on, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's the. Yeah, hence, but hence the problem the
2: is that we could sit here for hours and talk about design. <laughs> well,
1: that's oh. like talking about the cow, but not talking about the milk. <laughs>
0: Well, okay, so before we let Justin go too far into uh, that, um, the Fabian strategy is, you know, most people know this as the titan primary weapon. Uh, the The text on it is wait for enemy to make a mistake, die, stand by for ghost resurrection, repeat as necessary. Um, that's the actual item. The Grimoire card itself is a conversation between Banshee and, oh, um, why did I just blank on his name? The blue dude. Uh, is it, is, um. Zavala? No, not Zavala, um. Rahul. God, Raul, gosh, man, Aldrin, I, that's Aldrin, Petra, God, just stop, stop, God, this is why, this is why I don't. Barney, no, Barney. no that's purple. Um, the uh, okay, the Fine. Uh, Get technical. so the conversation is between Raul and Banshee, and it's a, it's talking about a historical Ingram, and it's a really it's a really funny conversation. I'm not gonna read it. Um, but it does, it does point out that the connection to the name Fabian strategy is actually a nod to Fabius Maximus, um, who was a Roman strategy. Uh, so basically just, uh, if you guys get a chance to read that, that's a really fun card. Um, but that's really the only exotic specifically attributed to hockey, um, and I know I completely miss this one, but Amalon is also another foundry that was in this this update. Um Uni, did you have anything else on hockey that you wanted to wanted to talk about before we jump to Amalon?
2: Outside of the fact that if you are a Titan and you have a Fabian strategy, use it. It's 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 actually a great weapon. Outside of that, yes, I'm done.
0: Okay. <laughs> Fair I'm enough. Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, so Amalon, this one, uh, uni I'll, I'll grab this one since this is a, this is a old favorite of mine and this okay. is, this is their motto is the future is what we make it. And so Amelon is really focused on experimental design. I guess you could call it in uh, the mm-hmm. design pillars, uh, which again was from Raj Natam, is experimental, bordering on irresponsible. Gives you a good sense of that idea. Uh, powered by barely understood technology. A fusion of the mad scientist and product engineer of the new frontier. And hallmark is the liquid ammo display in Amalon power cells. Amalon is the future returned. I feel like a commercial. But, um, and so, and, and that's truly Amelon's whole thing is that, that, uh, display, the ammo display of liquid, that is the hallmark design point of an Amelon weapon. Um, go for it, Justin.
1: I was just going to say, that's not that high tech.
0: That, that function isn't, I would argue that hard light is kind of a high tech gun. No, no, I'm not saying Amalons not hard high tech. Oh, uh, you, that like, hallmark. Hey. I think I don't think they were going for. I think that was just kind of something to set them apart. You know, obviously, I think it's yeah. a cool little nod. Um, I know a lot of people think that that's actually the ammo. Uh, and it's my it's my understanding is it is not the ammo. It is the ammo indicator. Is that well, correct, Uni?
2: I'm I'm one of the ones that feel like it's the ammo.
0: Okay, well okay. In that note sorry you don't have to ask me, Blue. <laughs> I'm right here. You can ask me. Okay, Justin. Justin, <laughs> is that correct?
1: Okay, okay. Well, listen. Everything <laughs> it says about Amalon is it's the ammo display. Uh-huh. So I've thought about this long and hard. I could actually make one of these in real life and I could make it work. All it would take is two bladders. One filled with liquid and another that kind of encased the the housing that housed the ammo. Mm-hmm. Every time a bullet was vacated from the chamber that housed the ammo, a little bit more liquid was let into that bladder mm-hmm. every single time. So you constantly had and then when you reloaded, you pushed the liquid back into the vial that you could see in your hung jury and you saw that you had. Full ammo. Every time you mm-hmm. shot a bullet, a little bit more mm-hmm. liquid left the the sight glass, as it were, yep. and entered the you know the chamber where the ammo was. I don't think that's that high tech. We've been doing that for an awful long time. <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> it's happened.
0: Well, and again, I don't well, think I don't think the point it, is yeah, that it's high tech. It, 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 Go for it, <laughs> The I feel like it's he's a about gimmick. to explode.
1: It's a gimmick. I I, I am. Um,
0: it's, not <laughs> even,
1: it's maybe useful on an auto rifle, but on a scout rifle, where you shoot one bullet at a time. Come on, it's not. Yeah, good. no,
2: I, I yeah, I agree. And <clears throat> but the so like on a on a on the sniper. Where where's the bladder?
1: Like an Irene?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I I can see if it was in like the stock or something like that, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 still it's it's kind of like you know. So logistics. what is what is what is what is the power cell that that rests on top of the weapon? You know what? What is what is the purpose of the power cell? I, I Th- those are the those see. are the questions. Those are the questions that I ask myself. <clears throat> and and look, you're you're absolutely right. There's nothing written. There's no documentation, uh, be it in grimoire, in game, in quest, or anything that says this is how an Omalon weapon works. Actually, we don't have that for any of the weapons, but. So all this is speculation, and you may be absolutely right. But the theory that Taylor come up with, Taylor B in chat, is is so. For me, when 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 he wrote it all out, it was so like, oh my god, that makes so much sense.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: the The concept is. And and I won't go through the whole concept because then you know oh god hold another chat I'm working on a video yes but essentially Sorry. essentially what happens <laughs> yeah essentially what happens is um when when you fire a you know projectile out of the muzzle a portion of that liquid is picked up out of out of the the uh, little display and is brought into a chamber that power cell that is on top of all Omelon weapons that we use in year 2 okay let me preface that this design is only it only came about in you know with TTK so technically year 2 Omelon weapons have this design hardlight does not have this design and it it uses a totally different system but that power cell that rests on top of the Omelon weapon Energizes that liquid inside the firing chamber, which changes the state of that liquid. Now, just like a regular bullet, um, that state change produces energy and converts or uh, it produces the energy that is needed to propel that converted material uh, down the barrel and out of the muzzle. Um, and when when he fr- and and I am, I'm I'm shortening that as as best I can because I'm trying to you know be as as timely as possible. But at the same time, my brain's sitting here about to explode. But it made so much sense. It made so much sense that I was like, "How can this not be right?" You know, okay. and it. it but and, you know but you could be you could be right as well you you're um, you know
1: the thing that that deters me from thinking that the the liquid level has anything to do with the actual ordnance fired from the weapon is the mm-hmm. fact that you can for all intents and purposes think of that weapon as a closed system right mm-hmm. you can put more ammo in it but do we ever see any more liquid being put in it
0: that's what, well, so that's whenever that's,
2: you change. That, that's what the juice box is. <laughs> that's that's why people that that's why people that use Omalan weapons they don't say, "Oh, God, I'm out of ammo. I'm out of a juice box. I well, need a juice I did, box."
1: I, I honestly, I don't think that's a good answer to that. Question, <laughs> but, um. They have three
2: flavors: orange, grape.
1: Like usually, I'm so on I mean, board with everything. Why? <laughs> right now. You're not answering my questions. No, no. I mean okay. So I I feel like Taylor's Taylor's uh Taylor's model is, is really well thought out and and uh we are dealing with a paracausal paradigm here, but I think losses would be too great to sustain such firing action. Like that's It's just my feeling, and there's no kind of degree or anything I have that can back that up. But
2: Yeah. Again, all theory.
1: All theory, no fact. Just the way we like it here on Focus Fire Chat.
2: There Um, we go.
0: Hugs all around. Hugs all around.
1: (laughs) No, no, hug it out, uni. We're still boys. Um, (laughs) No, I do want to um, throw this in here because... I have searched for an awful long time to find anything real world on Omalon, and I finally found it. There's actually a river in Siberia named the Omalon River.
0: And that's the end of that. <laughs> that was, there's no, nothing noteworthy uh, about
1: that. <laughs> there, no, well, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you something, but it's just not. Other than, other than wait i love the
0: build-up to that
1: that that is deep deep in warmind country (laughs) namely rasputin oh lord experimental tech
0: yeah i see Uh, where you're going with that one
1: saucy warmind
0: saucy warmind (laughs) well talking about experimental tech let's let's look at the tactical analysis um John says on here about the Amelons that they are pioneers of energy weaponry. Amelon is the first foundry to experiment beyond the world of combustion ballistics. Sporting lighter ergonomic frames, Amelon weapons all start with the generous base handling stats to build from. Amelon talent grids focus on behavioral perks over stat customization legendary talent grids are the only weapons that offer three perks one as the first non-scope upgrade and two as a binary choice in the final column perk selection favors perks that are energy-based and or go beyond the weapon to interact with the wielder's abilities or status perfect example for that one is actually the talak and that is the scout rifle talak is that a scout mm-hmm. rifle? If I remember, yes. Um, and this this is the scout rifle that was designed um in the Taken King or no? Yes, mm-hmm. the Taken King. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the warlock. It, yeah. it was for the Warlock, and so the Taloc yes. is actually a Az- Aztec god of lightning yes. and rain, if I remember correctly. Again, conversation uh card on the Grimoire. And this this conversation for the talak is between Ikora and Banshee. Banshee seems to be the common thread here. Um, the item itself just says, "Release the storm, hold nothing back." Uh, and again, you know, like like John was saying in his tactical analysis. They do focus on the wielder's abilities or status. Uh, the Talak actually has something similar to a minor storm trance. If I no, wait, is that Taloc? No, that's not Taloc. That's, um, is that the Taloc that does the, I don't have the Taloc, so I don't know what it does to be completely bluntly honest.
2: It, um, Am with, I f- when you have a full, when you have a full super, um, mm-hmm. uh, the stability is increased on the weapon okay, and the fire rate is increased okay. increased on the weapon.
0: There was yeah okay I'm I'm thinking of a different one. But the and I can't tell you what which weapon I'm thinking of because I don't have that one either. Um the other the other weapon from Amalon that is an exotic weapon that many of us recognize is the pinball gun. Uh many of the the actual name for this gun is hardlight But I just call it the pinball gun because if you've ever gotten trapped in a hallway with one of these things, that's what happens. You get to play pinball with bullets, and you always lose. Um, Boots and pants and boots and pants. Boots and and pants. Yeah, really. The the week was no, the week that Zer sold this gun was uh, it was so bad at Crucible. I it was I walked into a hallway and it was like literally everyone on the team. Had hard light. Everyone on the other team had hard light, and they were all bouncing it around the corner, and it was just like I'm like I'm I'm dead. Okay, so hard light is the quote here is ionized polymer symbolistic attack platform. The system's lethality is dynamically robust across tactical spaces. Basically, it's a pinball pinball machine. Um, And as Uni said, this is actually a little bit different than the standard Amelon. Uh, mostly because it's a prototype. Uh it was actually built as a showcase um with very, 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 very rare materials. And was actually a um a team effort between specialist Exos and at least one warlock Thanatonaut. Gotta mm. love those Thanatonauts. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's It says in its current iteration, the hard light design fires a superheated polymer round with exotic capabilities, like killing guardians after bouncing off four walls. but so, um uh, I really like yeah go Literally
1: for it. shoots superheated plastic
0: Yeah. that bounce yeah it explains how it bounces so well. It's basically bouncy balls that kill you. So, you know, not only is that injury, it's also a lot of insult thrown in there that you just got killed by a bouncy ball.
2: And it burns because <laughs> it's superheating. Oh,
0: my gosh. <laughs> if you can't tell, I am not a fan of the hard light. But before we get sucked into that mm-hmm. debate, mm-hmm. let's jump yeah. to Suros. One of you guys want to take Suros i feel i feel, I feel like justin suros. should take suros since this is like kind of justin a
1: wants to take suros because it's kind
0: of an artistic artistic design right elegance Ele- okay. elegance in the base of
1: brutality
0: that sums suros. up justin so well
1: yes um the design pillars provided by lead artist raj natam is how you say that
2: is, oh okay uh,
1: this is my sword function is a given It must be given form. Design is honed. Precision. Every curve, every line, every chamfer speaks to the Suros philosophy. Suros is elegance amidst brutality. And we have some notes from the tactical analysis by sandbox designer John Wisniewski. Some say the best weapon for a guardian is the one they can customize to match their intent. Suros believes in options. Weapons that can be repurposed for a variety of combat situations. Suros Talent Grids offer two columns of two, of two stat perks, granting more options for changing weapon stats than any other foundry. A single behavior perk is grounded in the middle of the talent grid as a focus point for the weapon's core potential. If you want a weapon that can flex from CQ to ranged, quick to powerful, fast handling to hard hitting all with a swap of a few nodes Suros yes and they all look like suppositories <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was I was not expecting that, that turn I was not
2: expecting that people this is this is why we love Justin
0: live
1: Okay, so the Soros auto-rifle was the first thing
0: I saw. Oh, it my gosh.
1: So, it looks so aerodynamic. Um, it,
0: it does. Go! It, okay, real fast. Um, I did want to point out a chamfer. Uh, he said every curve, every line, every chamfer speaks to the Soros philosophy. A chamfer is something that is used predominantly in architecture and actually kind of... Uh, I guess kind of furniture woodworking. Uh, there's there's actually a geometric definition of the word, but usually when you hear of chamfer, it's a what's usually a transitional edge between two faces of an object. So like normally you would have a hard corner on a cube. A chamfer is kind of a a bevel that kind of round it kind of it kind of softens the edge. Um, it's also actually known as a bevel, but it. It usually connotates more more cutting and is more often 45 degrees with respect to the two adjoining faces. Um, there are actually special mechanical and manufacturing engineering mills and, pl- and places that actually specialize in chamfer. Uh, and so the, it, it's basically when you see the Suros and, you know, like Justin just kind of said, they're kind of aerodynamic um, that's actually what it's talking about. That aerodynamic kind of that, that feeling that is the chamfer. There is no, you know, when we were talking about the hockey, they were very bulky and very boxy. A Suros is very smooth and, you know, very, very aesthetically pleasing. That's the difference is that, that there is no hard edges on a Soros Usually, uh, Again, going to refer here a little bit to the design discussion and the artist, the artist of destiny live stream, um, they, did they went into a lot on, uh, oh yes. Cataluce and chat chamfer is also used in pipe fitting, uh, as well. Um, but in the artists of destiny, they went into a lot on Soros and the inspiration for it. Uh, if I remember this correctly, the reason I remember this is because they talked a lot about coffee makers, which anyone who knows me, that's a good way to uh, get my attention. Um, and then also the F one race cars, I believe, is the mm-hmm. other inspiration for the uh, Soros weaponry, um, especially the rocket launcher. I believe is the one that they were they talked about quite a bit. And then obviously the regime, um, you know, that's going to be gonna be the the Soros that a lot of people a lot of people recognize uh and it, it's now back in black um and so yeah, the Soros regime
1: the white ones where it's at
0: <laughs> the Soros regime uh the quote on that is nostalgia is a weapon of war style is a hallmark of victory so again with the uh the elegance in the face of brutality um the uh, the the Grimoire card for the Surus regime, unlike the the class item cards, is just basically a rough summary of the of the weapon. Uh, it speaks about how it is a recovered Golden Age schematic, and then uh, it was actually forced out of production. Interestingly enough, for the Surus, because they did not have enough smart matter, so kind of points to a, a potential. Exotic quality of that uh there's there's actually a, th- a point that I'm going to bring up when we get done with the foundries about about the different classifications i I think that a lot of people don't um don't quite think about and I talked a little bit about it in chat too uh, but i I found it i've I've always kind of found it intriguing myself so but I believe. Uni, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those are the only ones that this week at Bungie's article went into. So that but, was no go for Justin. Yeah, yeah,
1: because that article was basically teasing. Yes, Taken King, where they there was that big push with hockey on Milan mm-hmm. and Soros.
0: Yeah, well, in Soros, you got the the package. Yeah. wasn't Wasn't that with Taken King? You got the package with the useless weapons rip off. But, um, (laughs) it was, I picked them up. I was like, Oh, awesome. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing.
1: They were, they were literally relevant for 30 seconds. Uh, I was, yeah,
0: there was no bitterness in Justin's heart.
1: No, no. I went in with an open heart, (laughs) uh, broken man.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, so that, that being said, let's kind of jump back up in the alphabet a little bit. And, uh, uni, you want to, you want to walk us through, cause you, this is definitely more your territory. I can talk about the exotics, uh, here, and I definitely en- encourage people to check out the mind map for this week. Uh, it was, it was definitely a, a work of patience and love from a number of people. Um, because yeah. I think you guys, you guys actually tried to get a lot of the just weapons in general, right?
2: Yeah, there's there was <clears throat> there's there's and oh. and I think at one point I remember telling Green, I don't think you're gonna get them all. <laughs> turn around and ten or fifteen more, like
0: in. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's it was it was I opened it up one one day and I was like, oh, OK, you guys are good. And then I opened up the next day and I was like, oh, wow. OK, and yeah, there's a lot are, of there's going a lot, in there. There's a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so uh, that that being uh, that being said, let's jump into Cassoid real fast and talk about them. If you don't mind leading us through here, Uni. Hmm Cassoid. Well, they
2: deal primarily with the uh, special materials. Um yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they're the ones that Shax has to go through Banshee to get the um the special metals that are needed for our swords. If I'm not mistaken,
0: yeah, the Arms Day alloys. Uh, yeah, the uh, yes, that is correct. We have to. That was one of the reasons we had to wait for the sword for the Arms Day, which, by the way, is every Wednesday. Um, the right. it's, uh, a go, our ghost says the alloys Lord Shacks requires are listed in Cassoid Foundry's next Arms Day shipment to the Tower. Good timing. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um so the naming scheme for most cassoid weapons um is a latin word sometimes followed by a roman numeral and a uh a brief tactical analysis of cassoid would be uh um uh, most mysterious of the foundries um the weapons uh, let me see if I can open this a little better. Sorry. Could have been more, you know, <laughs> prepared, but I wasn't. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can end it now. We can
0: all right. All right uh, we're no, done. Sir. We're
2: done.
0: Yeah. Everyone go home. Most mysterious.
2: Yeah. Uh, pop Papa one. <laughs> Most mysterious of the foundries. The weapons stumbled by those stumbled by those fortunate enough to uncover them in the field, or earned by the elite, find that only worthy guardians can wield these deadly trophies. Um, some of the cassoid weapons that you may not know are cassoid weapons. Um, one being Invective, and the other being Telesto. Um interesting little tidbit completely off the cuff here um or off the beaten path. Um is there is a theory that invective slash cassoid has some sort of ties to a certain warlock order um or may possibly have certain ties to a certain warlock order. Interesting. I would I would look that up. Um anyway, there's a couple of other cassoid weapons uh that I'm sure people have gotten numerous of, like the uh bronzed Nox Volo, the Nox Revis, and the Moss Ardis. Mm-hmm. Um and um so yeah, those are those are cassoid weapons. And I, I think it's really cool, and this is something I spend a lot of time with is um you can track a lot of these down just by looking at the the frames of the weapons. So if you can find out that say like you know the moss artist is is a cassoid weapon, well, if you start looking at all the hand cannons that look like that, you begin to find that these cassoid weapons are all over the game, and you've probably been playing with them all year one and didn't know it. And so I, I find that real intriguing. Um and that's you know, yeah, that's 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 how that's how I spend my days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well and you know actually you just made me realize we did not talk about the naming scheme of the three that we just got done. So I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that just real fast. Um hockey are named generally named after female women of power influence from mythology and history. Um Damn. And, and then mm mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> the, the Amelon. Amelon are what are Amelon? Is that the mythol the oh that's I don't think we have the name uh, in the for Amelon. Yeah I did. Sorry, you got one down. Yep. So we have I, yeah, one, no. one of the three. Yeah, it's
2: it's uh, named after female women of power or influence. I think we from mythology. Copied that. There's, well, <clears throat> so Hake doesn't really pull from mythology. Okay, okay. But Amalon, um, Amalon uh, does pull from mythology. Um. Yeah, because the Kumakatok so, is the one that always. <laughs> Right. Now, that that, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that there's, you know, um, you know, a hockey weapon can't be named after something from mythology. But but almost all Omalon weapons um, are named either by um, they're a female of of, you know, power or influence or mythology
0: Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. So, and then I don't uh Suros is kind of Suros random alphanumeric value. <laughs> yeah. It's not they have their name in it. It's pretty much their naming scheme. So, yeah. Suros
1: <clears throat> PDX45. Yeah,
0: it I think I think it's probably <laughs> something to do with the pulse and then, you know, the auto rifles and but yeah, it's it's an alphanumeric followed by or Suros in all caps followed by an alphanumeric value, uh, is Suros's naming convention. So Not a yes, whole lot in the way it's no, they, they they they're good at advertising themselves. But. Uh, so yes, uh Invective and Telesto. The other common thing that was kind of interesting about Cassoid is the Invective is actually known for a really, really interesting feature of the self-replicating ammo. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if uh if that was uh Is that a common feature? In no. Cassoid or no. Know, no, no, Invective is example. the only
2: one that no. does it, aside from Icebreaker, and that's an interesting oh, thing that some right. people right. bring that up was, that yeah. that you know they feel like, oh well, you know maybe Cassoid built <laughs> you know Icebreaker, and technically no, because Icebreaker was a uh, a a joint venture mm-hmm. between not only the Vanguard, but Essentially, the vanguard approached numerous foundries, and so numerous foundries got together and designed icebreakers. So it's very possible that they took the invective firing system and used it in icebreaker. I was just about to say, it sounds – I think it's probably
1: the other way around.
2: (laughs) It's it's, it's, – it could be possible. It's possible. I think
1: Clovis Bray
2: is trying to make – here he was go. trying
1: to make a handheld time machine and he made icebreaker and then someone perfected that and made it invective.
0: Anyways. Possible. <laughs> God. Again, it's it's all theory. Oh <laughs> Lord. <laughs> just just someone stop him. Um that was a terrible icebreaker. But anyways, moving on to uh <laughs> sorry, I couldn't. <laughs> Can't, couldn't help myself with
1: super good advice
0: oh god we're not going to start this because we'll never end um, Crux Lomar let's get out of let's get out of this troublesome oh, my
1: two favorite weapons designers Faisal Crux and which what's Mr. Lomar's first name he's my favorite I should know <laughs> Vic- <laughs>
2: had, it, had, yeah, you I was going to sure. say, had you not oh. asked, probably could have told you. Victor. Uh, Victor, Victor,
0: Victor Lomar.
1: Yeah, I got it. I know. I know
0: so <laughs> so uh, Crux Lomar, as Justin has pointed out, is actually a joint venture between two individuals. Um, and they are they're kind of. Well, the tactical analysis for that is that they the answering of sorrows of war with devastating delivery systems built from death and destruction they engineer malevolence um, This is also kind of seen in the beauty of beauty in destruction card uh which is where we got the well, we got it in Rise of Iron. Um, and this is actually the refurbished Horn that we get. And the quote is from Victor, and it says, This commission is a commemora- commemoration. They deserve something dependable. These men and women did not survive the gap so that you could make art. And that's a transcript from the Project Heimdall development log. Interesting note there. Heimdall was actually the individual who bore the Yalohorn uh, in mythology, if I'm remembering that off the head, off my head correctly. Um, so there's a, there's a connection there for you guys as well, but the, uh, so the new, the new yellow uh, again is come is a combination effort between crux and Lomar and actually Shiro Shiro actually kind of jury rigs, uh, some Siva tech into it. Um, and kind of in the same vein as Suros, they, they try to embody beauty and destruction, but whereas Suros kind of seems that they're focused more on the form and crux kind of focuses more on the function a little bit, not so much as Hake, but definitely a little bit more on that. They are definitely more focused on how to make things go boom, um, the three exotic weapons from crux lomar that many people know are is going to be dragon's breath, uh truth and then of course yalahorn. Uh truth is the one that has a crazy seeking ability. I've seen that thing take 90 degree turns and it's very terrifying. Um And then Dragon's Breath is the one that makes you think that you're a Sunsinger Warlock because it does solar flares. It also is the bomber plane design. And then obviously Yellowhorn, everyone knows that one. Uh, That is the one with the wolf pack rounds. And it was also fashioned in memory of the Twilight Gap uh, from the armor of the fallen guardians of the Twilight Gap as a memorial piece for the survivors. Um so again, Crux Lomar, they 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 like the form. They they like making things look pretty, but they don't want to sacrifice the function to make something pretty. They they want it, you know, they want it to work more than they want it to be attractive. But if you can have both, beauty and destruction is a powerful thing. So uh the naming scheme for Crux and Lomar, uh, for any of the non-exotics, it seems to be er, wow. It tends to be Mongol Mogul and Alpha Code. Uh so you will see like the Primed Khan R S four, the Silver Silvered Warmonger SA four, uh Painted Camelot SA four are three of the uh in three examples that we give in the map. Um and so there there's that that as well for the legendary, I believe, or well anything below exotic, to be honest. Um <clears throat> that brings us to Dito, which I have I'm trying to remember where I put it. There it is. Okay. So real quick on Dito, we the tactical analysis is basically that almost nothing is known about the Foundry at the moment in the game. So we don't don't really know anything about this. This is another one of the, the Foundries that is super mysterious. Uh, it could be a golden age throwback. Uh, the reason for this being that the logo for Dido is found on a number of different maps or a number of different areas, especially within Mars and Venus, specifically the buried city and the shattered coast on Venus. It's also in a one or two crucible maps and I'm, the name is escaping me at the moment, but the, it's one of the new ones. It's it's one of the new maps has a couple banners of Dido hanging on there as well. So that it could be that Dido actually <clears throat> is a Golden Age throwback foundry. Um we don't have a lot of weapons from Dido, which is kind of the kind of the problem. The one exotic weapon that we have from Dido is a PlayStation exclusive, the Jade Rabbit, uh which I know oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, I was muted,
0: right? <laughs> no, no, you were not. You <laughs> were not muted. Um, god dang it. <laughs> the uh the Jade Rabbit uh which it actually has it actually has some really interesting trivia connections uh to a couple actual lunar expeditions that are today going on. Uh I believe it is a Chinese lunar expedition in particular that is connected to the name and-
1: Also Chinese mythology.
0: Right. And I'm going to let you, I'll let you take that one, Justin.
1: Oh, the Jade rabbit. So there in, in Chinese mythology, there is a figure called the Jade rabbit. So, um, (laughs) otherwise known as the moon rabbit. Um, Remember the exact story, Blue. Why don't you put me on the I had to speak up, didn't I? Yeah,
0: you you had to speak up is
2: That's why um, I was sitting over here with my uh with my mouth <laughs> oh, shut.
0: <no>. Um <laughs> it's <laughs> <coughs> oh I've I'm almost it's not almost... so it's not just Asian, it's also an Aztec mythology. It's a rabbit that lives on the moon. Um in Asian culture it is often seen as kind of poor pounding a mortar and pestle but uh depending on the culture uh in the folklore in that the contents of the mortar differ um it is often portrayed as a companion of the moon goddess within the chinese folklore and basically its job in chinese folklore is that it is creating or is help it is helping to create the elixir of life um however in japan and korea it is simply pounding ingredients for rice cake. So, you know, depending on where you are, it, it varies on the importance there. Um, so <laughs> well, so kinda, one guy jumps. wants to live forever. <laughs> yeah. One, kinda, one guy wants to live forever. The the other one. Should. Oh, you broke up. You broke up. But yeah. And so. Oh, sorry. No. And, um, There is there is a. Uh, Oh, Mage, thank you. Rice cake equals life. So, there you go. I have oh, no... I, I, to me, it seems like kind of an odd... I have different. very different life goals than Mage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, as far as space flight, the Lunar Rover U2, uh, which actually was, it landed on the moon on in December of 2013, that's the one that I was talking about, Um it was named after the jade rabbit, apparently after, after an online poll. So they, uh, they did not get, uh, lunar face. They actually got something applicable, whereas Britain just got McBoat face. Um, and then also there was a conversation on the Apollo 11 crew, uh, right after they, or right before they landed on the moon that referenced the jade rabbit as well. Um, so that that is the connection to spaceflight, um, and there's there's a number of different you know cultural connections within comics and literature and music and vi- even yeah the video games obviously there's there's a number of different video game connections to the Jade Rabbit, but um, so that's that's the only exotic that we have from Dido, which that is not entirely surprising, um, you know most most foundries actually only tend to have one exotic but what is kind of surprising is that there's not really a lot of other weapons um we really only know of the silvered caracass lr4 um and that's kind of it uh it's it's basically and and of course there is no explanation on the the gun it simply says a highly accurate dido sniper rifle earned through glory in the crucible thank you that was super super useful. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's not there's not much known about them other than the potential of there being a gold, them being a golden age throwback foundry. Um, That brings us to, I believe Nadir, and Nadir is, uh, kind of a interesting one, um the uni do you want me you want to take this one or do you want me to take this one i can take it (laughs) okay why don't you why don't you run us through the summary of nadir okay
2: rooted in scientific mythology nadir has developed weapons drawing from the depths of the unknown with precision and their overall naming scheme is a uh, a scientific title with a letter uh, designate so an example and a there see blue you're rubbing off on me.
0: <laughs> I'm like i'm like i'm done talking. <laughs>
2: my, my mouth just went stop <laughs> um so like there's the painted neptune m s c and the bronze chasm e s c Um, There's several others. Um, Silver Continuum, and um, yeah, there's Bronzed Chasm and Black Chasm. So that's something kind of interesting about some of these weapons. If you go back to year one, um, a lot of them would have this painted, bronzed, silver, black... Designations you know before the name or or whatever, and th- I guess they were supposed to signify that one weapon was a little higher level than the other, you know all within a, a you know rare hierarchy or whatever mm-hmm. anyway the the newest weapon by them is the exotic heavy machine gun, which I have yet to get uh nemesis star, and I am completely jelly over that <laughs> not just because it looks like a submarine um,
0: <laughs> it really does actually now that you does. say that
2: um, um but yes it, it it's it's uh it's it's supposed to be a pretty pretty killer weapon
0: but it looks very pretty uh, and so th- yeah. the nemesis star says what is the answer when the question is extinction and it actually it actually has a bit of a sp- A unique nod to its foundry. Uh, It says, "Who or what is the weapons foundry known as Nadir? Where did it come from? And is the foundry's name a commentary on its own quality or that of its rivals? An expression of fatalism? (laughs) An inside joke? I'm gonna get in that. I'm gonna get on get in that in just a minute. Um, Do these questions matter to a next next to a weapon as powerful as the Nemesis Star? So the the joke there is Nadir actually." is an actual word it's a noun and it means the lowest point in the fortunes of a person or organization so basically it means rock bottom the nadir of your career is a really bad place that you don't want to be so yeah it yeah it,
1: <laughs> or it's a, in or in astronomical terms right. the point opposite the zenith so the zenith would be the absolute highest you could right, be right. The Nadir would be the absolute lowest you could be.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, so, so yeah. <laughs> no, way, I, to, I, way to
1: really, yeah.
0: I, and yeah. that and that's kind of the thing is like, is it a commentary on its own quality or that of its rivals? I'm like, or an inside joke. I'm going with it's an inside joke. To be, yes. like, it's like,
1: gotta naming be. your new product the
0: fail. Yeah. the fam
2: yeah their salespeople are not real good at upselling
0: yeah so no. but i i mean again that i actually kind of i'm i'm kind of a fan of this foundry even though we don't know a lot about it just simply because their entire name could be just a giant joke i think that's amazing um <laughs> i i really really kind of have to tip my hat to that or, to that philosophy or-
1: The bound the foundry was born out of humanity's nadir.
0: Right. And that and that's kind of the other thing that it says is like, is it is an expression of fatalism? You know, but then it's like ultimately do these questions even matter next to the the giant submarine. Not not
1: even not even fatalism. But was was the foundry born out of that time that was humanity's lowest point? Mm. That point from which
0: we only have one direction to go, and that's up. right. And you know, and it's interesting too for me. Is so Nadir that's perverted optimism, right? Pretty much. Well, yeah, it's gallows humor in yeah. a way. Um, but the other, the other intriguing part is okay. So the weapon is called the Nemesis Star, uh, and so the founder is Nadir. Nadir meaning the lowest point. Nemesis is um, is a downfall. I mean, that's ultimately what nemesis is, you know, the, the common understanding of nemesis is kind of that inescapable agent of someone's or something's downfall. So the cause of the downfall, but it also can mean the downfall caused by an end. So like you can actually, you can actually use nemesis to mean the actual downfall. Um, And so a nemesis star is the downfall of a star by Nadir, which is the lowest point You see kind of, you see the thread of connection that I'm, yeah, yeah, that, that to me kind of is intriguing. Um, so, and, and I don't know, I mean, you know, there's also a lot of comments about the traveler being a star. And so, you know, is the nemesis, you know, and there's, there's a number of different directions you can go with on nemesis star. Um, yeah. And left, left word in chat is saying that nemesis star is essentially a doomsday celestial body. So when it says that it's a comment on the other foundries, you could read it as it's the gun that will crush the competition. So, and then, yes, we are now talking about the goddess nemesis from Greek uh, religion. Uh, Basically, to put that in perspective, um, nemesis was the goddess who, excuse me, who basically enacted retribution against any who succumbed to hubris, which in Greek mythology or Greek, the Greek era and the Greek mythology was, uh, arrogance before the gods. So hubris, as we understand, it was a little bit different in that time period. Um, She she was also known as I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one, but also Adrestia. Adrestia was another one, which basically means the inescapable. So Nemesis is inescapable. Um, And as a as a trivia, another trivia fact: the Roman counterpart was Invidia. And so there's there's a lot of kind of connections there as well. So. Yes, that is that's the mythological connection for Nemesis. And that brings us to the last foundry. Some people's favorite foundry, some people's most hated foundry, Tex Mechanica. Justin, you want to take Tex Mechanica? I know I know how you love the gunfighters. Uh,
1: I love me some. Freaking wild wild west gunfighters, yeah. Um Tex Mechanica was the collapse foundry. They mm-hmm. were literally some of them some of the most hated guns that we know today were created by Tex Mechanica. Uh last word among them. And let me see. <coughs> Completely.
0: You want me to run through the design pillars real quick? Yeah, yeah, go right. Okay. So, text mechanica. The um, the design pillars that we have kind of noted uh, with this particular foundry. They are rooted in the lawless philosophy of the Wild West. Uh, the Tex Mechanical weapons have a survival at any expense attitude. Uh, this is kind of seen in their concept of the providing of outlaws with advantages only to help themselves out. And the connection there, we'll, we're going to talk about that just in a second. Because it's Tex Mechanica, we know quite a bit about this foundry simply because of their machinations with the crucible. Um Tex Mechanica also creates very ornate weapons to show off that that western fantasy of the cowboys who ride into town and take whatever they want, whether it be by good or bad means, it doesn't matter, they take whatever they want because they, you know, they have the best weapons. Um tactical analysis really it's pretty simple. They, they designed these weapons to be easily modified or repaired in the field by the wielder, uh, simply because, like Justin was saying, Tex Mechanica was really kind of the weapon foundry that was in power during the collapse predominantly. They were the ones who gave weapons or created weapons, and they were really the only Kind of, It kind of gives us a sense that the Tex Mechanical was the big foundry back then. And the reason was is because they created weapons that could stand up. And if something broke, you didn't have to get back into a civilized area to fix it. You could probably just fix it yourself. That was kind of the hallmark of these weapons. Um, the naming schemes, basically, characters of the Old West and then a serial designation. Uh, and again, this is for anything that's not an exotic. So you have like the Silvered Maverick MK41. You have a Primed Big Sky MK48. Those are two of the examples that we give in the map. Uh, the exotics that we do have from Tex Mechanical, we have three exotics from these guys. That is the last word, the first curse. Those two are related as we've you know probably discussed quite a bit. And then the last one is one that you know we kind of get a sense of this foundry from and that's the chaperone. The Chaperone is the giant shotgun, and the reason why I keep kind of pointing out that we know a lot by their dealings with things is not only do we know that they are completely and utterly open to being bribed, uh, they actually expect it. Uh, they they kind of that's kind of how they do business. Uh they they present their weapons through the use of Guardians in the Crucible. That's one of their big advertising avenues. We find this all in the Ghost Fragment, the City Age 2 card, which we've read a couple times recently, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read it again, but it's an it's an entertaining card. You definitely should check it out if you haven't already. Um But basically this is the example of two individuals from a division within Tex Mechanica trying. Trying to bribe Shax into throwing crucible matches to make their weapons look better, um, unsuccessful. Unsuccessfully, and this and, yeah. in in in, <laughs> in response, Shax turns the table, kind of, or they turns them on their head, and ends up walking away with them paying him not to do anything, but just to not send a group of titans into their foundries uh their foundries workshops <laughs> So, like he's basically yeah. i'm not you're gonna pay me so that i don't destroy everything that you've worked for um so and so that it's a oh my gosh that card i absolutely love that card it cracks me up um but then also through the chaperone quest even the go even our ghost kind of makes a comment about am I, am I like all system diagnostics are okay. So we are actually bribing these people to to get you know to get these things. Um <clears throat> we know from Banshee that Tex Mechanica was around during the collapse. Uh this is one of the speak to Banshee quests that you have and banshee says you have you got no idea what it was like before the city before the walls that's the world for which tex mechanica was making weapons so again that that kind of hardy you know no nonsense they 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 built weapons to be attractive but they also built them to be easily repaired because the people that they were building them for were not they didn't have a city to go to oh yeah and so that's kind of the thing. Go for it, Justin.
1: What's what's more reliable than a wheel gun? <laughs> you know, you think of you think of the last <laughs> word. That's no, yeah. No, no, I, I <laughs> no no no. I'm yeah, not I, even kidding at this point. Like that is the most one of the most reliable delivery mechanisms for ammo. And I think it's really telling that their two most notable weapons are a wheel gun. And a, a, essentially a really fancy lever action shotgun.
0: Mm-hmm. The chaper- are you talking about the chaperone?
1: Yeah. yeah. The these are these are mechanisms that they're they're very rudimentary in design and that can be field repaired, I would imagine, pretty easily.
0: Yeah, in the chat, so <clears throat> a a quick note on the chaperone. The chaperone was not a solely it's not a sole product from just Tex Mechanica. This was actually a weapon that was built in conjecture with Amanda Holiday in memory of a shotgun that her mother had that uh, allowed her to get to the city alive. Um, Mm -hmm. So Amanda Holiday's mom. Was was helping, you know, was with them on the travel to. The city, we know uh, that her mother died on the road and they buried her mother with her shotgun, the chaperone, by the side of the road. And then later, after they've, you know, obviously after Amanda has made it to the city and gotten into the tower, she, I I don't know if she approached Tex Mechanica or if Tex Mechanica kind of approached her, but they, uh, they worked together to build the the re- redesigned Chaperone. Um, the, uh, I'm trying to find... Here it is. Uh, <clears throat> in one of the talk to Amanda Quest, the uh, quote from Amanda is, the contest prize isn't an exact replica of the original Chaperone, of course. It will be much more powerful, packed with top-notch text Mechanica engineering. But I did its visual design, and I replicated my mama's old shotgun down to the tiniest piece of tracery if you've seen if you've seen the chaperone it's it's got a lot of like a filigree look to it especially on the the barrel uh and so that's that's actually a replica of her mother's shotgun that allowed her to get to the city alive um so yeah it's it's a it's a very very powerful piece as far as the history of that actual design if not that actual gun so yes and i th-
1: Kinda of makes you think who made that shotgun? Because that was a pretty shotgun.
0: I kinda I kinda got the sense that her it was kind of a, a I don't know, it might have been an heirloom for her mom. Cause well yeah, cause she says they're on the chaperone card. She says, Amanda Holiday was born on the road when the city was nothing more than a whispered prayer. Their only protection was the weapons they could scavenge, build, or modify. Weapons like her mother's two-barrel shotgun with its black and gold filigree far too fine for the world around it. They called it the chaperone. So, yeah, so this was probably a shotgun that her mother found um, and then, or built and modified herself. So this was something that her her. Mom actually kind of put that shotgun together. It sounds like. So, yes, I mean, and that's again, that's another another figure within the Destiny universe that kind of has a pretty pretty gruesome backstory that you wouldn't really know at first blush when you you know when you run into her in the in the tower. But um, and that brings us to the end of the known foundries. So again, we talked about the Cassoid foundry, the Crux Lomar foundry, Daito, uh, Hake, Nadir, Amelon, Suros, and then finally Tex Mechanica. Was there, uh, do you guys have any, Justin, did you have any closing remarks on foundries before I kind of put in my thoughts?
1: Um. Yeah, yeah, before you did, uh, I did find something on Dido which mm-hmm. I hadn't seen before, which is that it, it's actually Japanese for a long sword.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: Which at this point in time doesn't mean a whole lot because we, we don't have a wealth of Daito weapons at our disposal to, to kind of say, oh, yeah, they, you know, long sword, long range weapons or some kind of parallel like that. But I was able to find a real world, correlation
0: there. Yeah, and it's usually <clears throat> it's usually a long sword. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Man, I'm trying I'm trying really hard not to not to act like I'm sick. Um it's it's a uh it's usually a long sword and I'm trying to f- find I used to know this and I can't remember it. Because there's there's a there's a nuanced difference in their swords. I know the dai sho was the smaller sword, but I th- want to say the dai, the dai or the daito was the longer sword. Yes, you're right, one. right? Because the the uh, cause you had the tanto, which was the dagger, and then the dai sho. Well, like the dai sho was a pairing of a katana with a smaller sword, and I know that was specific to samurai. Uh, because it was a very symbolic um representation of their power and the the honor codes of the samurai um <clears throat> katanas obviously being just a generic uh, it's just the generic term for that cur that that uh the slightly curved single edge blade um usually with uh, a circular or square guard. And then the, the very telling feature of a katana was always the, it was a two handed sword basically, uh, which was very, very interesting for that time. It was normally the sword, shorter swords were usually the, the way that a lot of people had, whereas a katana was generally, um, it was just an interesting fighting technique with that period. um, and the fighting style was interesting as well, but I'm not really going to get into that right here. But yeah, so yeah, I can't I can't find it at the moment. But yes, yes, it was it was these one of these swords that they wore. And then, how about you, Uni? Did you uh, want to throw in any thoughts on this before I
2: as As far as the foundries go, and even what specifically i mean and honestly even though we've been sitting here for what an hour or so uh chatting it up about foundries we really don't know a whole lot about the foundries um but one of the interesting things kind of near the end of of the chat um it kind of dawned on me one of the one of the interesting things that i find when When I start talking about the foundries and the weapons and all that kind of stuff is they seem to represent where we are as you know humans mentally at this point in our time and, and what I mean by that <clears throat> because I know that sounds real far flung. We have this overwhelming desire to survive. It seems like everything in the game, you know, everything we do is to progress our survival one more day, one more week. And the the thing about the foundries that's kind of interesting is that when, when the collapse happened, everything stopped for all intents and purposes all knowledge the vast majority of knowledge that we held um, prior to the collapse during the golden age it's kind of stopped growing we 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 it's almost like we stopped learning and the and all of a sudden we're faced with this you know, these enemies, you know, the fallen come to Earth and then the hive come to Earth and people are trying to, you know, they there's there's warlords everywhere and we're trying to gather ourselves back together and, and be human again. And in this struggle, you know, to do that, we have to claw our way through all these obstacles to do it and we have to fight to do it the foundries that we have today to me symbolize that because they are the ones that are taking the 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 knowledge that we had and that we know of from the golden age and they're giving us these weapons so that we can go out and Further our existence one more day, and they are the ones that are taking that knowledge that we had and trying to grow it. They they are the ones that now are doing the things that Clovis Bray and Ishtar Academy was doing during the Golden Age. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I like where your head's at. Yeah. <clears throat> um. It's. <clears throat> It, it was it was really kind of interesting. I, I, I guess you, the the weapons that we have today that we use in game, and I kind of covered this a little bit in in the last video I did. They have a lot of you know like paracausal perks and stuff like that on them. Well, the weapons during the golden age didn't have any of that stuff, right? That, there there was no. There was no rangefinder. There, there was no, you know, focus fire perk. There, there was none of those things. Um, and you would not have seen a soldier during the golden age walking around with a Soros regime. You would not have seen a soldier walking around with, um,
0: you know, a Jade Rabbit. Mm. Well, why? I mean, so my question: Why? Well, you know. I guess I have a response okay. to that actually real quick. Um the paracausal so and it's not mm, my distinction here would be the individuals in question didn't have paracausal capabilities in the sense that guardians do because guardians you know obviously Correct. guardians didn't exist until after the collapse. However, Correct. we do know that the so uh going to point out here, Jacob Hardy, right? Jacob Hardy was the, one of the individuals who was on the heiress one project and obviously one of the first individuals to encounter the traveler. Uh Um, and we have, and sorry, that was more for people who aren't aware of who I'm talking about. Uh, but Mm -hmm. we know from Hardy that they were beginning to, or not even beginning, but they were actually exploring what he calls the slippery irreality of light which to me kind of points to you know irreality kind of is very close in definition to a paracausal um so i would i'm not 100% sure that we could say that the weapons wouldn't have paracausal capabilities as much as i'm 100% <clears throat> i'm 100% sure that humans didn't have paracausal capabilities inherently uh you know we didn't have ghosts ghosts didn't exist so we didn't have the capability of resurrection or anything like that we didn't have mm-hmm. we didn't have the capability to to manipulate the traveler's light in the sense that we have in the guardians you know for our supers uh definitely did not exist at that point but i don't i don't know like i i kind of think that maybe there was some of that irreality and that some of that paracausality in the weapons because we know that they studied light we know that the traveler gifted light and a lot of the technical know-how um mm-hmm. you know like definitely he de- <clears throat> the traveler definitely didn't do things for humanity i i you know that was one of the the things i kind of talked about in the lore 101 video that i did way back was that yep. you know the traveler kind of to me at least this is this is completely my my understanding of the situation so it could be completely wrong but, my understanding was that the traveler kind of has that opinion of "Don't give a man a fish, teach a man to fish you know exactly like he he it or she it it mm-hmm. shows and teaches and then allows mm-hmm. the the species that it it blesses or curses or whatever you want bestows that ability. Mm-hmm it allows them to choose the path. It allows them to, and I'm not really trying not to be cheap here, but it allows them to choose their destiny. Um, And, and then, you know, they, they allow it, whatever those, the consequences of that choices choice are, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that the traveler probably wasn't a passive observer necessarily. Again, we don't know, but I, I kind of, I, I would think that maybe some of these perks that we see in the weapons are actually some that would be present in the Golden Age. Because, you know, in the scope of paracausal capabilities, you know, focus fire isn't super up as far as, you know, like, it's not like I'm pulling a, a revolver out of nothing. Whereas, in, uh what is it? Is it Headseeker is the other one that... We've Mm -hmm. kind of called, I'm not, I'm not as well versed as this, but like the head seeker one, I can, I mean, that completely reminds me of the fifth element. Remember the, the fifth element gun where he shoots one bullet and then all the other ones seek the one bullet. I mean, like you you could have a scientific, you could have a quote unquote scientific explanation to some of these capabilities that if you toss in the beginnings of understanding of light as to exist in destiny, I could see the the concatenation of that knowledge creating the capability of generating these capabilities within an artificial process, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> chat. Uh, but... So, and that that would be my, that would be my argument. I definitely agree that we didn't have paracausal capabilities, but, you know, a lot of the exotic, and left just kind of pointed this out in chat too. And, you know, a lot of the exotics kind of call out the fact that they are built off of golden age schematics. So obviously, you know, obviously we have built them to our best understanding and added something, you know, it is, it, we have added something, but a lot of them, I, I don't know. I, I don't mean to drag that on, but I mean, I just, I, I agree but disagree with that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes, i Yeah, you... and
2: and some of the <clears throat> some of the quote unquote, you know, uh, paracausal type perks that are on our weapons, especially like, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this crazy, crazy spinful theory that um a lot of those actually work through our ghost, you know. And they're, yeah, they're, you okay. know, like a lot of our a lot of our weapons now, you know, they have AI systems and and stuff like that, and it ties into our ghost, and that's what allows us to have these more powerful Paracausal style perks on our weapons today. Whereas in the Golden Age, they probably weren't Wouldn't, there. Yeah. Um also well, yeah, cause one you, of the reasons one of the reasons I also feel like there probably wasn't these type of weapons during the golden age is that the only the only um the only things that we know of uh, the only weapons that we know of that existed even remotely close to our weapons today is one, the Kvostov and two the um the weapon schematics that rasputin um had put together um it wasn't it wasn't um yeah, maybe it was pocket infinity i think no no was not pocket, it wasn't pocket no. infinity which one is um there there there's a there's a uh, one of the rasputin cards, and I'm going blank on it now, but anyway, the rasputin cards where he literally puts together the schematics of a weapon, and basically he's going to, you know, he's going to give this weapon to all the people.
0: Oh yeah, that was the, the da- yeah pins Davlin Forge. Uh, they were just pulse okay. rifles, I think they were. Okay. okay, I got the sense and, that they weren't anything particularly special. And exactly. And so the thing is, is that my my thought
2: process was, if the most Biggest, baddest supercomputer of the time couldn't put together a better weapon than an average weapon. What would make me think that we could or, or that we would even bother to at that time? Because, I mean, honestly, during the golden age, the majority of our resources were put into peaceful things. Yes, right, we had right. war mines, and they had titles of war mines, but really and truly, they were just big, oversized supercomputers that were used to study things. And, <clears throat> granted, yes, they did a whole lot more than that, and I'm oversimplifying that, but, but that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. But, kind of, kind of back on the foundries, one of one of the interesting kind of parallels, and this goes back to our conversation in the beginning about the economy and how it ties into the factions and how it ties back to the how everything works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of a parallel um, between the way the economy works and the factions and all this kind of stuff to uh, what happened during World War II with the big three automakers at the time. Um, oh,
0: I see. Yeah. Okay.
2: A lo- a lot of their factories, they were taken over by the government and kind of you know re-machined and retooled mm-hmm. uh, to make war weapons, um, and and you know different weapons and different things that um, uh, forwarded the the war effort. And for a span of time, m- car manufacturers couldn't even sell cars. I mean they couldn't they couldn't build a car, they couldn't build a yeah. car at all. And if you did buy a car, you had to have a special permit. Crazy stuff, right? But it had a purpose and it worked. And that in a in a sense is kind of what's going on right now in in Destiny and in, in in the game. Is that, you know, we look down at the city from the tower. And there's, there's a lot of stuff going on down there. But if you really look closely, there's some buildings. There's structures. But if you look closely, it looks like a lot of shacks as well. And you would think to yourself, these people have been here for so long, you know, you would think they would have something just a little better than this. And the way i kind of look at it is at this point that's not their priority their priority is you know to live another day not build a better house does that make sense
0: yeah no i was going to say that mm. actually that actually plays into uh the the social or well the sociological understanding of the city too if you think about um Oh, what's the best example I can come up with real quick? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. Right. Battlestar Galactica, the entire series, which, by the way, if you haven't seen the newer series, it's pretty good. Just don't watch the last episode. Um, But the <laughs> in- no, I'm dead serious. Don't watch the last episode and you'll end it happy. But the uh, the entire concept of that series is they're running, they're running, they're running, they're running. And, then, you know, they're they're fleeing for their lives. And that's kind of the sense that I get that kind of exists in the city is you're fighting for your life so you you know you hit it exactly where i'm kind of i view it as well they don't care about their house because they don't they don't know if they're gonna be here tomorrow even with the giant walls even with this giant guardian army (laughs) they don't have they don't have any guarantee that this is this is the last city you know there there's a, there's, a nymph, there's an emphasis on that name the last city this is the last civilized plot of land on earth that they are aware of they don't care if they live in a shanty town because at this point they're just too busy getting guns off the rack to to arm the populace because you know the fallen threat is still you know it's not their quote unquote anymore in the game today but as far as vanilla destiny jesus they were freaking yeah. out, you know, I mean, the yeah. Vex were starting to come back and they were they just lost their mind. And so, yeah, I completely, now what will be interesting is, you know, going forward in the game, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I, you know, I know it's a long-standing wish of everyone, especially those in the lore community to wander around the city, to just get to, you know, get to explore that. Um, But I'd be curious even if we don't get to see, if we don't get to walk in the city, I'd be curious to see how, you know, the city develops as a background piece. Because I think at this point it would be an interesting, it would be an interesting aesthetic point to start seeing city growth kind of in the background. I I personally think that would be interesting because, you know, we've kind of pushed the thread away from the city, because, I mean, the major threat... Well, I guess with SIVA, now it's kind of back. But I was going to say in the Taken King, the biggest threat was out at Saturn. Like, you know, most of the city inhabitants, they're like, okay, we're we're finally kind of safe. We can kind of, you know, breathe. I'd be curious to see that. But I completely agree. Um, yeah. And I did, I, I did have one final point I wanted to talk about. And I, I kind of... I think... And th- this is... This is the RPG player in me kind of coming out. Um, it has always intrigued me when I play RPGs, uh, especially like I grew up playing D&D. I grew up playing like all these, the D20 systems, the D6 systems, all these things. Um, one of the things that has always been an interesting juxtaposition or parallel or paradox, I guess, is Whenever you play an RPG, you know, the, the point of an RPG, the point of video games in general, is to escape, escape reality, you know, to be someone that you're not. Obviously, we all can agree to that. In D&D, especially, especially since I, I'm very familiar with this, in D&D, uh, the, the base stats of a character are what you call the ability scores, now i'm gonna, i'm going to explain the relevance of this in just a second but the base stats of a character are the ability scores there's six ability scores you have strength dexterity charisma uh, constitution intelligence and wisdom each of those have different variety of emphasis on you know different classes and different abilities or different capabilities within the game uh skill sets and all that um and this is all this all is determined to boost or lower Dice rolling, which is kind of the tabletop version of RNG for those who haven't ever played a tabletop RPG. Uh, If you haven't, I definitely, definitely encourage you to pick one up and to seek one out. Um, But my point here is that in D&D, in the universe of D&D, it has always been explained that the number 10 is average. Okay. 10 is average. What this translates into is with your ability scores, you have what's called an ability modifier. Ability modifiers are based off a of kind of a weird numeric system that I'm not going to get into, but it gives you an emphasis on your dice roll. Uh, the the number 10 gives you a plus zero. Now, one of the biggest complaints in RPGs on tabletops is I'm not quote unquote powerful enough, which is a really common complaint in any form of gaming. Uh, you know, Mage. Um but so it's like it's a complaint across the board. I don't have a modifier. I don't have a blah and it's not high enough. It's not, you know, it's not powerful enough. Blah blah blah. Um the the point here is that your your character your character in an RPG is by definition above average. Like you're you're never gonna you're probably never gonna have many you're not gonna have many hero characters. Unless you're mid maxing, uh, that are a below average individual on on more than one ability at least. Um, if you if you mid max, you can definitely have bless. But the point here is that by definition, your hero is a hero. It's above average. Now the connection that I'm going to draw here to to destiny is <clears throat> we. We should realize as characters from a from a lore standpoint, the emphasis that our focus and our fascination with weapons only extends to what is identified as legendary weapons. Exotic weapons, right? We're only concerned about purple mm-hmm. and yellow. And the point that I'm making is that. If you and and I'm I'm not the only one who's made this point. There's a lot of people out there who have kind of stopped when you when you stop and you actually read the descriptions on rare, uncommon weapons, you'll start actually getting a lot of stories. Like, you know, one oh, of my yeah. one of my favorite suits of armor is the Seraph armor. It's an amazing set of armor. It's rare, so no one pays attention. It's a warlock set of armor that talks about the question of what happened before you were resurrected and how it it actually reveals that the the inhabitants of the city have two views of guardian either you're brought back from you were angels or you were the the opposite um yeah and in you know and the, that's that's a very detailed that's actually it explains uh the entire point why a warlock helmet is called a hood that is from a a rare item um And so there's, there's tons of lore on these rare items. The thing is, is that a lot of people don't pay attention to is, you know, for us, it's just, Oh, it's a blue. Oh, it's a green. It's not a purple, but for any individual in the city, to put it in perspective, any individual in the city, these things are rare. These things are not what they normally come across. So the interesting part for me is from an RPG standpoint, you are dealing with weapons of legend. But it just is an indicator of how powerful our character is that we just chart them without even looking at them. I mean, we, we go through, you know, an average Destiny player when they're actually grinding for Ingrams or for whatever, they can go through dozens, dozens of exotics of legendaries. Like, you know, they, I mean, I can max out my legendary marks within a couple hours if I'm actually trying and it's it's not difficult but the point is is that for a guardian the legendary is a common weapon but for anybody else in the city it it's a legendary that is that's the point of destiny is that you are playing you are playing a character who is super powerful you know not only because of the paracausal capabilities that you have via your super and your manipulation of light but also just in general the equipment that you wear you are a legend just by a playing a guardian in Destiny. And that, and that has always been kind of a fascination to me from an RPG standpoint, because the number one complaint is, I need to be more powerful. I'm like, well, technically in the world, you are super powerful. You are really powerful in this universe. It's just, in your pool, you're not the most powerful, because you're comparing yourself to other individuals of similar power. But if you actually took a step back and looked at the entire big picture you've killed three gods i think you're pretty powerful yeah. i'm just just gonna say you 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 you're doing okay on the power scale
2: and 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 you see that
0: you see that same thing in
2: um you know a game like skyrim oh yeah you know, going, oh, to, going, going don't get end- me started on that one yeah. yeah yeah i mean look at look at some of the most um you know well suited um imperial guards Right, and then you walk up in your Daedric armor, you know, with your <laughs> dragon bone greatsword. Oh, you're a and and they're and, and and they're just like, holy sh! Who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 you're just like, yeah, well, it's not that great. It's not fully leveled yet, you know.
0: Right, right. So yeah, you know I, I, mean? su- I see just, what you're saying. Yeah, and it's it's completely completely. has nothing to do with game playing like it just to me in the game in the story realm in the lore of the game i just have always found that very very interesting that that is that is a very common across the board like video games rpg or tabletop rpgs anything that requires a, a degree of role playing and a degree of grinding i guess if you will that is that is like the number one complaint that i have always heard is i'm not powerful enough i'm like you are, you're just, I mean, like I completely understand it. I completely get it. You're not quote unquote powerful enough in the game world that you play as, but if you kind of, and that's why I've always appreciated tabletop RPGs is because like, if you do, if you get a good group, you actually can get the sense of being super powerful just by the storytelling. So Yeah. yeah, which, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys got anything, Anything else you want to toss in here before we go into our (coughs) shout-outs? No? No. Okay. Justin (laughs) fell asleep, so we're going to go and we don't we don't have any dispatches uh we didn't get any so i'm i'm assuming that we'll make it up next week for everyone obviously mel is out this week so we're not going to do any of that we kind of we kind of don't really have any costumes to discuss we were going to i was going to i was interested to hear i was going to try to get her to talk about the aesthetics from her point of view um especially from like the cosplay redesigning aspect of it um, but I think we did it. We did a pretty, pretty good job on our own. I'm sure she could have done it better. But, um, with <laughs> that being said, let's just go and start our final comments and shout outs. Uni, I'm going to give you the, uh, the primary spot here. What, what do you got for us?
2: Yeah. Um, I want to shout out to, uh, Beard Grizzly. I don't, I don't know if, um, um, if you if you guys have heard of him, uh mm-hmm. a, a pretty awesome uh YouTube channel. Um he he got a shout out from uh Mylan Games not too long ago, so he's kind of a rock star now. <laughs> um but anyway, no, I've I've actually managed to uh uh actually have a, a couple of really good conversations with him. He's he's an awesome guy and uh go go check his channel out. Um he he he's got some really good content on there. And um and then uh Rhino six 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 and Taylor B uh for putting up with me. Um they actually thought I knew what the hell I was doing.
0: Um mm-hmm. we I all don't do. <laughs> but no don't, um, don't burst that illusion I, for us Yeah. Well, okay. Um, I I
2: forgot that's, that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Um, no, I've, I've actually got, um, two videos in the works and, uh, with these guys and, um, um, I've, I've got a few, uh, technical kinks I've got to work out, but they, uh, they're, they're two awesome guys that's in our chat. And, uh, just for anybody, Man, if if you're listening to this and you want to get involved, or you think you can't get involved, just come join the Discord chat and just start asking questions. You, that's all you got to do. That's what I do. Yeah, what? I mean, it's did I just admit that?
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, um, I I agree wholeheartedly with that.
2: Yeah, it's this 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 is a open community we're 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 all super friendly and we all take care of each other and um you know
0: we just you know come hang out it's it's fun place you won't you won't yeah we don't we don't really i don't think we're threatening at all (laughs) we're we're a harmless bunch of shenanigans is what we do that's what we specialize in And a bunch of memes. Um, (laughs) And memes. Yes, yes. Our Fight Club is composed of food pictures, if that gives you a perspective of our violent level. Um, So the email topic for next week, you guys, give us some emails on your thoughts and theories of Rasputin. I know you guys have some, and I know you guys have them, because Rasputin is one of those... One of those topics that I just know people have thoughts on, give them to us, yep. let us know what your thoughts are on that, so that we can read them off and If you have any questions on our thoughts on anything dealing with Rasputin or the war mines, you know what Let's just talk about war mines too because that's what it's gonna be um, The other thing I did want to uh to mention is we uh we have been we have been accepted, and we are now also available via Stitcher radio. Um, I want to give a personal thank you to Garon Garon Mansfield. Uh he or, he or she left a comment over on Podbean which if you guys didn't know Podbean actually does have a commenting or comment ability underneath each episode. Um and generally generally the app will notify me when you leave a comment. There was a time period there where it went like 3 months and I didn't get any notifications. I apologize if I missed your comment in those time that time because the app was just not cooperating. I am trying to check every every week to make sure that I'm catching all the comments there and on YouTube as well um, because we are uploading. We're now caught up on YouTube as well, so we're we're uploading those as I can get them out um, each week. So we are actually available on the stitcher radio app. Uh, the link I will, it's not on the website yet. I will get it up on the website, uh, with the Google play and the iTunes link. Um, definitely if you guys prefer any of those apps above any of the others, definitely we, we try to be accommodating. Um, if there's an app out there that I am, I, I'm not a big podcaster, so I'm not a familiar with all the different apps If there's an app out there that you would prefer us to be on and for some reason we are not on there, just send me an email. Send it to focusfirechat at gmail.com. I will do everything in my power to get us on that particular app to make it as easy as possible for you to listen to us. Uh, So, again, big thank you to Garen Mansfield for that comment Um, because – I didn't even know that we weren't on Stitcher because there's a lot of apps that just automatically pick up podcasts. So there's, we're on tons of apps that I don't even know about. Um, So again, if you have a particular app, just let us know discord or an email and I will do everything in my power to get all that. Um, I think Justin had to step away for a moment, but so I'm going to, I know that he wanted to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Um, and then obviously, you know, a big, big shout to Mel. I, we hope that you feel better uh, and get some rest. We're, we'll we'll catch up with you next week. But um, with that, <clears throat> we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Uni, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you as part of the chat and in Discord. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Reminder that we are going to have that slight shift in our schedule starting next week. We're going to be moving the live stream of the podcast to Friday nights. We'll still be starting up around 10 p.m. Central. But, again, hopefully this is going to give us all some more flexibility, not just for ourselves, but also for any guests that might be in different time zones as well. What this means is that instead of the audio hitting Podbean on Thursday morning, it is going to be available early Saturday morning Central Time. Please, please, please let us know any thoughts or concerns on that change, either through the Discord chat or an email. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on TheGuardiansOfDestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.
1: want to be kind of old school but the turducken seems like a little bit too much going on for me
0: yeah isn't that the one with the octopus
1: yeah no No. no. ducking is it's a turkey cosplaying a duck playing a chicken so it's a yeah
0: wait how does that work how do you get all that inside of a chicken
1: take a turkey they shove it up a duck's
0: no i think it's the other way around yeah. Well, either way. Size wise uh, that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> so there's there's the chicken The chicken goes in the you, duck, you, which goes in the turkey. Right. Which goes into the turkey. yeah.
1: Listen, it's the whole thing has all all the hallmarks of your dad trying to fit everything in the back of the freaking rambler about to go on a road trip. And he's like, Why well, do we don't have yeah.
0: but
1: There's there's this cavity in the turkey. <laughs>
0: We're totally putting. There's only there's only two food items after the outro.
2: (laughs) There's only two food items allowed to wrap anything: tortilla shells and bacon. That's it.
1: Just the word "turducken" (laughs) sounds like a finishing move in Street Fighter. (laughs) Turducken. Turducken.